Welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host. I am super pumped that you are listening. I am so excited for our second male guest on the podcast today, Mr. David Marvin. David is one of the young adults pastors at Watermark Church in Dallas, Texas, where he has worked for the past nine years. He speaks and puts on the porch every Tuesday night, where thousands of young adults gather each week to hear the word in Dallas. He is a dad to two adorable kiddos and a husband to Callie. Today we're talking about a topic that can be pretty sensitive and tough to discuss, but hey, we're all about the real and the raw here, so we're going for it. I heard David preach a sermon from the porch this summer around this topic of homosexuality, and I thought he did a great job of explaining it in a way that I had never heard before. It's not talked about enough, and so David and I are going to go deeper into what he talked about in that sermon. I'm excited for you guys to hear our conversation, so let's get on with it. Hey, David, how's it going, man? What's up, Emma? It's going good. Excited to be on here with you. Yeah, I'm pumped. You are the second male guest that I've had on the podcast, so... Wow. Congratulations. I love it. What an honor. Yeah, it's mostly um, been women, so, you know, we're, we're excited for some more male male voices on the podcast. I love it. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to be on here. Water with Lemon. Yeah. Um, are you a big fan of Water with Lemon? Is that from the name? I am. I am a big Water with Lemon fan. You know, it was like one of those things for me where uh, I was trying to think of names for my podcast, and... I sat down one night and I was like, I'm just going to think of anything that comes to my head. Wrote down, like, I think I put like bottled Coke, water with lemon, 20 somethings, please help us. You know, just like anything that came to my brain. And I could not let go of water with lemon. I was like, it's just kind of funny. Like, people are going to be like, what? Water with lemon. Two, it's the only thing we can really afford at restaurants and it makes you feel like fancy. Like instead of just asking for water at a restaurant, you're like, can I please have yeah. like water with lemon? You know, that, that is true. And there's no upcharge. I like it. Hey, it's a good name, especially right? if you're doing a, um, I mean, really any podcast, but a girl, uh, podcast or a girl blog or anything like that. That's strong. So, um, I love it. Well, I'm excited to dive in and, and discuss, um, a little bit with you. Thanks. Yeah. I know this is a big topic and kind of a hard topic and can be pretty touchy, but I know you did a sermon on this at the porch. Uh, and so I'll have you talk about that in just a sec, but, um, I'm excited first, if you would just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and kind of what your life looks like these days. Yeah. So I, um, am a, uh, one of the lead directors of pastors of a ministry called The Porch, which is a young adult gathering in Dallas, Texas. There's really several different locations um, all over the state of Texas, but the primary one is in Dallas at a church called Watermark, where I've been for the last nine plus years. And uh, uh, I have um, an amazing wife of six years named Callie, who um, uh, takes care of our two-and-a-half-year-old son named Crew, C-R-E-W, and our brand-new baby girl, six weeks old, very fresh, uh, named Monroe. So and, uh, cute. Yeah, she is adorable, and uh, we are not sleeping. So that is <laughs> our world these days. Oh, my gosh. So, two under yeah. two. Yeah, it's like there's no sleep there. Yes. 
That is exact. And our, our, um, our son has learned to like be able to get up and open the door and come out, uh, at night. And so he, every night, um, will just come wake us up in the middle of the night, particularly me. He'll oh, come at like no. two in the morning and just wake up. And, uh, and I bought a lock to put on the outside of his door <laughs> to lock him in. I know. Good parenting. <laughs> and now I can't because he, he will like when I put him to bed, he'll be like, you're not going to lock me in, are you? And, oh, no. Uh, and it's like so heartbreaking that I'm like, I can't do this. This is just terrible. So anyway, <laughs> that is a snapshot of our world. We've got a, a um, series going on right now called Asking for a Friend at the Porch. And um, and that has been a really, really fun series, a ton of energy around it. And one of the questions that we covered is um, how you and I got connected. or um, mm-hmm. I think you were there that night or had listened in of Can You Be Gay and Be a Christian? And so, um, that, uh, that among with several other different questions has been, it's been maybe my favorite series we've done in the last seven years. Mm. So, or at least at the top of that list. Yeah. So I bet there's been a lot of feedback on that. And it's just, I think the church is not talking about a lot of those things. And you're right. Those are all questions that we're wanting to know. And so the fact that you guys are bold enough to, like, hey, let's answer some of these questions and see what the Lord does. I am sure that so many people have been impacted by it. So totally. I'm thankful. Well, I will porch. tell your audience this because um, I don't know if it is predominantly women. I don't want to keep assuming that it is. But um, there's a woman named Jenny Allen mm-hmm. who will be joining us next Tuesday to cover can you be, uh, what does it look like to be a strong woman in the church? Ooh. So if your audience is interested, they can go listen to that whenever this does come out at theporch.live. Find all the messages there. That's gonna be fire. Fire. Mm. <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> I'm reading Jen, one of Jenny's books right now called Anything. Have you ever heard of that book by Jenny? No, is it good? I'll, I'll mm. pass it on. So stinking good. We actually mentioned it on, I think, last week's podcast, but it's just about Jenny and her husband praying the prayer of like, Lord, we will do anything. Um, wow. and seeing like where we took them, but let's dive right into, so you guys did a, a sermon series and you talked about, uh, can you be gay and be a Christian? And so I just wanted mm-hmm. to kind of dive in a little bit deeper to some of those hot topics and some of those main points that you talked about in that, uh, sermon. So one, uh, how is culture shaping how we think about homosexuality in general? Yeah. You know, um, I guess that really, even to answer that would just be a reflection of my perspective of how that is happening. Mm. But it seems like um, there is definitely a campaign, for lack of maybe a better way of saying it, that's taking place through the media, through television, through music, um, and uh, especially has for the last eight to ten years where it's just been um, something that I think culture uh, has attempted to, and by culture, I mean like media, I mean, um, the television, the music we listen to, the movies you watch has attempted to normalize that, whether it's through modern family, whether it's through just the deep prominence that, that, uh, even it seems like cable news gives to the LGBTQ, uh, plus community and, um, and just the attempt to like normalize it and, and make sure that, um, they, uh, they put people in front of you and just try to uh, normalize that narrative and storyline. And so I think there's a, a lot of sympathy being draw, drawn up, and, and that's not even necessarily a bad thing um, that people are saying that these, uh, you know, with the Obergefell 
um, decision or the, the legislation that took place mm-hmm. a year or two ago where they legalized same-sex marriage and, right. and, uh, and G- just even the animosity that culture is showing towards anyone that you to think about Jack Phillips of the, the cake baker in Colorado and who didn't want to make a cake, a special cake for a same-sex wedding and just, you know, lost everything. Mm-hmm. The, the Colorado Supreme Court took him to task. And, and so I think they're doing it in two ways. One, by um, putting uh, in front of you uh, songs like Same Love mm-hmm. um, and uh, shows uh, like Modern Family and trying to just normalize it, which I'm not even, I'm not even coming, uh, uh, whether or not I agree with that is, is not necessarily the point I'm trying to make. I'm just saying I think they're just trying to put that in front of you to change the perspective that we have. And that's challenging for Christians because from a biblical worldview, um, we wrestle with the tension that that has been defined as a sin. It's no different than any other sin. And yet we um, also have to hold to God's word. And just like we have to with heterosexual uh, sinful actions. And so I don't know if that, that uh, answers what, uh, what you're looking for. Um, but uh, that that would kind of be where I'd say culture's influencing that issue. Yeah, yeah, totally. That it's just been normalized, right? Everything that we're seeing in media and in culture is just making it seem so very okay. Uh, so why do you think it's becoming so common and it's becoming so normalized um, to see someone living a homosexual lifestyle? You know, I, I, um, I think that. Um, now what's good about sense? On the one hand, I feel like it's not. It's still the rare minority. Mm. Um, you know, the estimate between two to five percent of the population is homosexual. And, um, so whether it's, uh, becoming more common, I don't know. Uh, mm. um, I haven't seen any data that would support that. That may exist, but it definitely seems like every time you turn on the TV or you turn on the news, they're going to spotlight some sort of, mm. um, you know, uh, interactions with the uh, L- with that community and um try to to paint them as just a marginalized victim and if someone is being uh hostile towards any person that's a wrong thing so i'm not even trying to say that that uh, they're wrong with that but it, it definitely seems that the news is picking it up and they are the they're to make sure they uh showcase the stories in that community um really broadly and really loudly and try to silence mm. um any sort of christian um, contrast. I didn't realize that statistic of like only two to five percent. So it's really just that culture and media are making it really big on our face about that two to five percent. Um, yes. That it's like, okay, be whoever you want to be, do whatever you want to do, say whatever you want to say. And like, let's point out those like few people that are already walking in that. And it's just like encouraging people. I think to question, okay, hang on. If this is always in my face, what is normal? Like, I'm not even sure anymore because I thought normal was this, but now this is what media is showing. And so I think that a lot of people are just really confused about like what to believe. You kind of totally. get what I'm saying? And then, yeah, no. And then you take that and you add to it the ways that the, um, and now I'm speaking just as a Christian. You add to it the ways the church has not handled this issue well in the past and has not cared for people with that, um, with that sin orientation or with that orientation or the, uh, acting out in that way. The ways that the church is ostracized or 
made them feel like that sin is unique. And so it, it just sets it up for a really disastrous uh, combination where people are like, I don't want to get it wrong like people did in the past. Mm-hmm. And um, and so uh, I think I think we're we're feeling some of the effects of the legacy of of church Christians or church leaders and Christians who haven't always handled this issue well. And um, and so mm-hmm. we're in interesting times. Definitely yeah. feels like for sure. So with that, let's let me ask the question then: Is homosexuality a sin, just like any other, or is it singled out? This is from Christian perspective. I think, uh, well, I think biblically, it's just like any other sin. And so mm-hmm. it may be, it may have historically been singled out, or it may have been something that we have highlighted in a way that's wrong. But biblically speaking, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 lists it right along with several other different sins where he says, neither, you know, people who are sexually immoral, regardless, you know, of the orientation they have or people who lie or people who steal or people who do all these different things or homosexual um, acting people will inherit the kingdom of God. And so Paul, um, we know that as a follower of Christ, what makes someone a Christian is not their sexuality. Heterosexuality doesn't get you in. Homosexuality doesn't keep you out. It's trusting in Jesus mm. as the savior and payment who gave his life for your sins to be a payment for your sins and rose from the dead. That's what makes someone a Christian. So Paul doesn't highlight it or, or say that it's anything different than any other sin. And, um, and so if it is being highlighted or seen as a marquee sin, uh, that's at least a failure on the church because biblically it's right along with, with any others, um, that are there. So that's good. That was kind of the biggest revelation for me in the past couple of years is realizing it's, it's like any other sin, you know, whether you're an alcoholic or you're gay. You might have different struggles and different temptations, but they're both sin. And the Lord is not looking at one as bigger than the other. Um, totally. They're all the same. And so that was kind of the biggest revelation for me as I was, I think, thinking more of it as just like a lifestyle and I don't know, just completely set apart, but, but realizing no. It's, and I think because culture has been shaping it as something that is um, okay and normal um, to realize, mm-hmm. yes, it's a sin, but it's not necessarily set apart differently than any other sin that I struggle with or you struggle with. Um, it's realizing oh, totally. the gospel and how it covers that. So um, totally. this is kind of a tough question, but I know that a lot of people wonder this and ask about this a lot. Um do you think people can be born gay? Um, yeah, it's such a good question. And it, I think it's fundamentally linked to a lot of the energy that, uh, is attached to this issue, especially for cultures. People assume that, yes, hey, I was born this way. In fact, um, even a lot of the responses that people had to that message mm. that we tried to be as, as, um, uh, delicate and compassionate as we could as we just covered such a, a delicate issue. A lot of the responses people had, um, who were not happy with the message was like, Hey, I was born this way. God made me this way. Mm-hmm. And so, um, who are you to tell me that I, I need to change? I was, I was born perfectly fine the way that I am. And, um, so I, I don't know. I, I could tell you that there's been some studies that have been done 
Mm-hmm. And um, studies that were done in the 90s, studies that have been done as, as recently as the 2000s, where they studied uh, genetic links to, I mean, just like nerdy stuff that um, like uh, there was one done and I didn't go into it in the message because mm-hmm. it was like, man, this will just put people to sleep. But there was just studies done with people looking at that. Um, uh, probably the most famous one was a guy who looked at the corpses of 41 um, uh, people. And I think like six of them were women, uh, 16 or so were heterosexual males, and then 19 or somewhere around there, or whatever the rest was, were homosexual males. And he looked at the hypothalamuses. And, um, and I'm saying this just because inside of the conversation, mm-hmm. when people try to defend that, oh, you are born with it, this is one of the studies they'll cite. And, um, and what he basically discovered is that inside of these people who were homosexual men, mm-hmm. he found that the hypothalamus in their brain, which is just part of the brain, was significantly smaller than in the heterosexual male. Mm. It was it was twice as small, and it was about the same size as the um, as the uh, as women as the six women mm. that he found. What he uh, was unable to really identify was how much of that was related to the fact that all nineteen of those males died from AIDS and mm. HIV at an early age, and their testosterone levels were low, which has been linked to influence in the hypothalamus. Mm. Um, and so at the time of the death, and so it was really inconclusive that the guy behind the study even said, I didn't prove, was unable to prove any sort of genetic link. There's been studies done with twins and um, who share the same sexuality or don't and some fascinating stuff. But, but at the end of the day, um, nothing has been conclusively put forward that there is a gay gene or anything like it. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I'd add to that is, is I think even if there was, it biblically wouldn't necessarily change things. If they found that gene, and um, and I know that's hard to hear, but but um, one of the reasons I would say that is uh, because let me say this: in 2010, Time Magazine ran a story where it said adultery it's in our genes, and they basically found evidence for the fact that um, science was beginning to to think that males or men were um, genetically wired or predisposed for um, polygamy for not monogamy. And so it's in their genes. And, uh, and yet no one would say that that is a, a behavior that should be accepted and tolerated. That, hey, if your spouse sleeps around, that, hey, it's, it's in his genes. He was born that way. You so can't, it should be okay. Yeah. And so I think biblically, and, and I, I know this is a really hard issue. And, um, and if you're interested or anyone's listening, I'd encourage you to go listen to that because go, go listen to the message we gave at the porch on it because I don't want to come across without the um, empathy and sympathy and compassion that this is a really hard issue. And mm-hmm. for a lot of people, this is not this is not some political issue. It's a personal one or it's a family member or it's someone they deeply care about and love. And, and I've never met anyone who struggles with homosexuality that wants to, mm-hmm. that would struggle with it. I've never met anyone who's like, man, I'm glad that I was born this way. Um, uh, usually it's someone who like doesn't want to wrestle with it the way that they do. And so even in giving the answers I'm giving, I, I don't want it to come across as uncaring um, and lack of compassion because I know that what Christ is calling people to in surrendering even their sexuality to him, mm-hmm. even the fact that they may have to be celibate to him is a big task or is something huge. So all that to say, I, there's no evidence that someone is born gay, but even if they were, let's assume that science proves that. I don't think it changes um, what Christ calls us to at the end of the day, ultimately, which is following him, not towards heterosexuality, but towards holiness. 
mm. and homosexuality, just like heterosexual sin, is against God's holiness and the call that he has for us as believers. Right. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up because I know this is sensitive and so people who are listening, it might be really hard to hear some of these words or might not agree necessarily. And so I'm glad you brought that up. Of, totally. It's like this is coming from a place of uh, wanting our brothers and sisters to um, live in such a way uh, that you can become more sanctified and more holy uh, in order to just like know Jesus better. So I'm glad totally. you brought that up. Um, totally. And you did a great job of explaining that. So I do encourage those of you who want to know more, especially whenever we um, in finishing our conversation to go listen to that because you explained it really, really well in your sermon. Oh, so, um, thank you, Emma. yeah. So one of your questions or one of the questions that I have, uh, is about just same sex attraction. Uh, you talked about that in your sermon, but is experiencing same sex attraction in itself sinful? Yeah, this was interesting because, um, a lot of people wrote in and, uh, said that what I'm about to say was they'd never heard it framed like that, which I just thought was, I was like, man, that's surprising to me that biblically, um, homosexual attraction is not necessarily sin. It is the homosexual actions that is sin. Now, if someone is lusting uh, over anyone who's not their spouse, then it becomes sin. But the, the idea of being oriented or having some sort of like, um, uh, attraction. I, I am attracted to people of the same sex. That is not necessarily sin. It's what you do with that. Mm-hmm. Whether you, uh, engage in lust or pornography through it, or whether you engage in, in homosexual action, that's where, um, the defining line. And so I, I, um, I think that that qualification, it, it was a reminder of me, we need to hit that a lot more because people email after email came in of like, man, mm-hmm. thank you. I've never had anyone define it like that. And I always just thought that God, I read one yesterday. It made me tear up. Of someone who said, "Man, I, I I had lived in the homosexual lifestyle. It was a young girl who was so sweet and so encouraging, and she she had found freedom from that. But she also said that she um she felt like she had never. She always thought that God looked at her and was like disappointed, or I can't believe how you are, and that's messed up. And um and just for having attraction to mm-hmm. other women, and um and that is not necessarily sin or the orientation." Whether it's a result of sin, whether, um, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, but I know that, that it is the action of homosexual action that the Bible calls out and commands a sin. Whether that's lust, um, or whether that is in, engaging in, uh, homosexual, um, mm-hmm. actions, for lack of a better way of saying it. Mm-hmm. Would you mind explaining just a little bit, um, of why that is? Why is it, why is it the difference between attraction an action like where does the bible kind of um paint the lines there yeah uh, so one would be temptation right like one is hey i'm tempted towards this um i have a uh i have a track i have attraction to um uh tragically every beautiful woman that i see and uh and if i give into that or lust and allow my either whether it's entertaining thoughts or uh, pursuing pornography or um, acting out on that through, uh, not to shock your audience, through masturbation or through pursuing pornography or through you know having an affair, that would be sin. But mm-hmm. the idea of just being attracted to that 
it may be because I have a sinful nature, so it may kind of be the result of sin, but it's not necessarily um, sin. It's just a part of my my sin nature, and it's something that I have to, through the Holy Spirit, keep in check. I have to crucify daily, but that would just fall under the category of temptation, really. Right. And so in the same way, I would say with same-sex attraction, that could just be, that's going to be in the folder of uh, of just temptation, and it's what you do with that. Um whether you take that thought captive, as Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter 10, mm-hmm. or whether you give into it and you dwell on those thoughts, then it would lead down the path of sin. Uh, and then the actions would just be anytime we act sexually outside of God's design, which is sex was given in the context of marriage, one man, one woman, any sexual uh, actions or um, lustful thoughts is going to be against God's design. It's going to be sin. Yeah. I, I just agree with you in that there's a difference in being tempted because even Jesus was tempted and obviously he made, uh, he'd never sinned. And so he made the right choice in his temptations. Uh, yep. but that's just part of being a human being is having temptation. So yep. when you're a yep. believer, you have the spirit to help you in that. So I like that you said, you know, that's why we have a helper and we're called to just take that thought captive um, when mm-hmm. we are experiencing the temptation instead of dwelling it and walking in it. So I like that. And I do think that a lot of people uh, probably have never heard that before because I hadn't either. I was like, wait a minute. And I was actually had to like think about it for a couple of days. I'm like, is that true? Like that you can have same sex attraction and that not be a sin. Uh, so I'm really glad you cleared that up. Yeah. For a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, no, that that was the biggest takeaway. If I next time we teach this, make sure to include that because um, it was one of those like, huh, I had no idea that that was going to be as helpful or surprising to people. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was I was learning right with you. Um, that was probably the most repeated thing that people, uh, just, as you would imagine, when you do messages like that, your emails just spike. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, and so. And they just they just started flooding in, and that was one of them. And a lot of them were encouraging, and then and there were of course plenty that were not, or plenty that were um n- not happy with that message. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. some who didn't even listen, honestly. Uh, there were several who were like, "I just heard you covered this. You guys are so homophobic, racist, bigot." <laughs> uh, just kind of go through the line, but um, but so uh, anyways, but yeah. Yeah, that's hard. And so, again, thank you for your boldness in doing that. And um, we don't have to include this, but I was just thinking about this specifically of you guys kind of like had some backlash a couple of years ago, I think, in the church of um, yeah. not allowing someone who was acting in homosexuality and not allowing them to be a leader in your church. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Dallas Morning News picked it up and covered it. and. Um, we essentially had a, a guy that I won't mention his name, but, but, uh, he was a friend. He was connected to porch, trusted Christ at the porch and, um, and a really good guy that I have nothing but, um, that I, I care about. Our team cares about my, uh, the guy that I work with JP, um, cares deeply about. And he was a member here. He, um, had found freedom from that, that struggle and he just kind of decided uh, really, I'm uh, over the course of time. That, hey, I don't want to fight this anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so he decided I'm going to continue to engage and get into a homosexual relationship and, uh, and act out on that. And in doing so, it, 
it became clear. And then his community group, community groups are huge at Watermark. And I can, mm-hmm. I can touch base a little, little bit more on that because I think that's crucial to anyone who's trying to fight any sort of sexual temptation to have around them. Mm-hmm. But everyone who's a member of Watermark is in a community group, which is just a small group that they uh, meet with regularly and that encourages and comes alongside and holds them accountable. And, and, uh, and this community group tried to say, man, how can we encourage you and pray for you and come along and help you? And he basically said, I don't want any of that. Like, I want to continue to live in this lifestyle. And uh, and so his community group then involved more of the leadership here mm-hmm. at the church just to get wisdom on, hey, what's the next step? And and, and we just want to inform you that this person is is saying that I do not want to be held accountable to that. I'm, I'm going to engage in this lifestyle. And at that point, we uh, um, wanted to honor him by saying, we don't want to hold you accountable to a standard that we hold all of our members accountable to which is following Jesus. And if there's an area of my life that's not consistent with what God's word says, if someone points it out to me, if I just say, I don't care, then, um, then I'm kind of saying, I, I don't want to be held accountable to that. And so we don't want to, we hold all of our members accountable to that. Mm-hmm. And so we began to pursue the process of saying, if you don't want to be hold, held accountable to that, um, let's just call it what it is. We're not going to have you be a member. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and really at the time it wasn't anything. I don't think he was shocked or upset. It was, um, it was a, uh, does that make sense? Kind of yeah. storyline so far. Yeah. And so then he posted something, uh, related to a, a Matthew 18 letter or just something that we sent that just said, Hey, at this time, we're not going to hold you accountable to the standards that you've said you don't want to be held accountable to. And, um, and, uh, you're welcome at anything that we have going on here. There's no one that's going to stop you coming in the doors, come to anything that you want. We're just not going to include you in those that we would call a member here. Mm-hmm. Um, Watermark has, and we hold membership in a really high regard. So that's probably a whole separate thing where our membership goes to zero every single year. Mm-hmm. It restarts that we are constantly saying we don't want to be the place that has um, thousands of people that by letter wrote in yeah. or um, that it starts, restarts in January every year. So membership is mm-hmm. a little unique here anyways. It's a big standard. There's probably 15 to 16,000 people that are here on the weekend. About 8,000 of those are members. Mm-hmm. So lots of people are here that aren't members. And we basically said, we're not going to include you on the members because mm-hmm. you don't want to be. And, uh, and that he posted on Facebook and, and just went kind of viral because it was like, um, this church is kicking them out. And if you're gay, stay away. And, and that just was not the case and broke mm-hmm. all of our hearts. And, um, so it's it's an issue that I think the church is only going to have to face more, and um, and the narrative, just like as we talked with media earlier, they're not going to paint the story that all that I just shared with you. They're right. just going to say this states gays, and um, so stay away. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but yeah, I could talk even more and more about that. But rather than go deeply into that, um, there's a uh, there's resources you can honestly go to Watermark's website and find out more about. Mm-hmm. on that whole thing. So. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you explained that because, yeah, it's not necessarily, you know, what everybody hears about is just, oh, Watermark wouldn't let somebody who's gay be a member. And wow, I don't want to go there. I don't want to be a part of the church. Uh, I'm not going to be a Christian because of this. So it's really, it's really hard. And um, you guys don't get a chance to explain, like, here's our heart. Uh, totally. You're not seeing the whole other side and we love this guy and we're praying for this guy and, and we wanted to fight for him, um, to pursue righteousness, but he wasn't into it. And so it's sad and, and we wanted him to continue coming. But, um, so thank you for explaining that. And totally. Appreciate it. 
So kind of going into that, um, we kind of talked about how it's just like any other sin, homosexuality, right? And Mm -hmm. God calls us to turn and repent from any sin, no matter what that is, right? And so since we're talking specifically about homosexuality, do you think that that applies to them as well, the call to turn and repent? Yeah, no, I think, uh, of course, similar to what we've said before, that um, God uh, calls all of us to crucify our flesh. You know, on the one hand, what Jesus invites us to is um, eternal life, and, you know, you don't have to do anything to become a Christian. Mm-hmm. And um, and yet, to follow Jesus, um, he uh, calls us to pick up our cross and to die daily. And so it's this interesting tension of like, man, the, the gates of heaven, um, just like that brother, like if he trusted in Christ and really uh, was sincere, he had, that Jesus was his Lord and his Savior and a moment of faith, he's eternally sealed for forever. And yet, um, if you, with the Spirit of God, get a hold of your life, he won't stop until you are fully conformed to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that'll only happen in, in eternal life. Right. But inside of this life, I mean, that's what the Spirit is doing is he's convicting and he's trying to chip away at the parts of all of our hearts that um, are not consistent with the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, just like any other sin, I think it involves turning and repenting and um, and pursuing him. And then practically what I would say is uh, in doing that, I think some of the steps that, that you got to take, just like any other sin, if someone was uh, trying to, you know, as the hundreds and thousands of people that come down front of the porch every single week, um, if someone's struggling with pornography or sleeping with a boyfriend or struggling with alcohol or marijuana, all those, I mean, that's just last Tuesday. Mm. Um, it's every Tuesday, honestly. Um, uh, what you call them to, the ways that we fight that sin is we don't do it alone, which is why we're so big on community groups. So if, if that's a part of your story, you know someone who has that a part of their story, that you would, uh, be in a community group, you'd be surrounded by other people you meet with regularly who, um, join you in that battle, who come alongside that you can be open and honest with. The crazy thing about that particular sin, I think, with homosexuality, if there's anything, I don't even know that that's unique to that sin. I was going to say, um, for whatever reason, people feel like I can't share that. Mm. And everyone feels that way. I mean, I'll be there on a Tuesday night. With Tuesday night at the porch, there's, there's 3,500 young adults that come. And um, and I'll have conversations down front after the stage with people. And it'll be the same conversation with someone who's like, and can I pull you aside? I've never told anyone this before. Struggle with same-sex attraction. And he thinks like he's the only one in the room or she's the only one. The next guy that comes up after we finish talk, all that, he'll say the exact same thing. <laughs> it's one of those things that people think they're like the only one and it's just not the case. And so, um, I would, I would encourage someone to get in a community group, open up, take that risk of faith or take that leap of, of trusting your group and be like, Hey, this is where I'm struggling. Yeah. And then that group, it's our responsibility, just like every other sin to come alongside, pray for, encourage, hold one another accountable. And so that would be a part of the repentance and the pursuit of that holiness that all of us are to pursue mm-hmm. is to begin to uh, step into uh, a community of believers that can come alongside and help one another as the Bible calls us to. Yeah, that's good because that's darkness and sitting and living in that darkness is uh, is just what the enemy wants. And so bringing that to light, especially in community uh, is so important, and we've talked about vulnerability a lot on the on the podcast, and and just being open and honest about where you're at and what you're struggling with, so that um, your community can fight alongside you. And so, 
this is something that's big and again like you said super hard to talk about and and for a lot of people feel like they can't like it's like this one sin for some reason that they can't talk about and that no one else is struggling with because again the enemy wants us to always feel isolated and alone in our sin um and so i just you know for anybody that's listening of like you're not alone even if you think you are because that's what the enemy wants you to believe and so find somebody like it doesn't have to be with a big group of people necessarily at least find somebody that you trust or two or three people that could fight alongside you in it um and so with that that can be scary because you don't know how they're going to react or you're fearful of of how that conversation might go so let's say on the other side of that if you're somebody that um that a friend is opening up to you about, hey, this is something that I struggle with. How can we as believers support those brothers and sisters that are being tempted by homosexual behavior? Yeah, I would say just like with any sin, again, um, if someone came and confessed that to me, I would I would thank them for sharing it. Mm-hmm. I would uh, that they would trust me with that. Thank you. That That's something that we always attempt to do is, man, thank you for sharing that with me. Um, I would quickly move towards praying for them, especially if it's a confession. You know, James 5.16 says that confess your sins to one another and pray for one another um, so that you may be healed. And so oftentimes we leave off that second part that before any advice is given, let me pray. Mm-hmm. Then I would uh, just fight to treat it and, and uh, assume um, it's just like any other sin. So I want to hold accountable. I want to understand the ways that they're being tempted towards that. And I would just normalize it as much as possible. That just like any sexual sin, sin or temptation, um, I want to come along and have accountability that I can provide. I need accountability in my life. And so we're mutually providing that for one another. And so, um, yeah, I, I would, uh, just, I would not shrink back or not be like, man, you need to go get help or go to a counselor because I, I can't help you. Um, because if you're a follower of Christ, you can and are called to. So. That um that that would be what I'd suggest. That's good. I like that you said to jump right into praying because what words can we really have to be able to speak life into somebody, especially if you've never struggled with the same thing? It's not gonna yeah. be able to relate as well. So calling upon the one who can do something about it and the one who can help, the one um who knows exactly what that person is thinking and feeling and knows every part of their heart. Um so I like that you said yeah. that because a lot of times I feel like we're sitting in this group, you know, going around and sharing and everyone's just like, wow, thank you. Okay. You know, next person. It's like, yeah. no, let's stop. Let's pray. And like, let's figure out how to like fight alongside that person because it's so scary to open up. But I think that's why people are hesitant to just because they're scared of how somebody might react. Totally. The only other thing I'd, I'd add is I would also fight against treating people aren't projects. Mm-hmm. And so the, um, man, we're going to pray the gay away or anything like that. That may not happen. Candidly. Uh, I think, uh, sometimes that happens. I have friends where that's happened. I, I have a good friend who was in the, uh, he lived a gay lifestyle for 20 years and he, um, he found freedom in that. Um, in, he, uh, would still face temptation, but he's, he's married, he has children and, and an amazing story. That doesn't always happen. Often it doesn't. And so I would also not treat them like, hey, if, if you just pursue Jesus and read your Bible enough, this will stop. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, maybe most of the time, I would be guessing if I said it, at least a lot, that's not happening. There's a lot of stories where Jesus says, I'm going to allow you to have a, a thorn in the flesh and mm-hmm. show the world that I'm enough and uh, to walk with me 
celibate and pursue purity. And, uh, and I may not change that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and for us to be able to just come alongside to encourage, to celebrate, I mean, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Someone is, is walking and saying, man, above everything else, even my sexuality, Jesus, your Lord. And to really celebrate that as a church, that, that's amazing and inspiring to me. And, um, is you are an incredible beacon of what Jesus calls us to. Some mm-hmm. of, I said in that message, the most Christ-like people maybe in the body of Christ today are people who are same-sex attracted. And they're just faithfully pursuing Jesus and saying, I, I'm going to be celibate for the kingdom of God. And, um, and I'm going to pursue him, even if he doesn't change my orientation or my sexuality. Mm-hmm. He's enough. And I'm going to show the world that. And so that'd be the other thing I, I would just encourage people to not see people as projects that, hey, we're going to change you. And just if you come to group enough, it'll change because that may not take place. Mm-hmm. That's so powerful. So stinging powerful. And I agree. Like that's, there's just so much power and respect for for those that are like hey this is a really big temptation a really big um thorn in my flesh but i'm gonna choose to pursue jesus for as long as i live and whatever that looks like so totally so stinking cool um okay so we've made it to our last three questions that i ask every guest on the podcast so you ready all right come on (laughs) uh this first one is what is one thing you wish you knew as a 20-something? I'm making you two really fast. Okay, that's okay? fine. One is you have more time now than you're ever going to have in your life. Mm. And that doesn't it apply to everybody. You may have a single mom out there who's 21 and she's got two kids. Right. Uh, so maybe not you. If you're single and you don't have children, you have more time than you will ever have in your life. <laughs> and uh, and so <laughs> use it well. Read. Be a student. Um, uh, leverage that time. Serve. Um, be all in your church. Take advantage of, of just that opportunity. You are, you're becoming something. And so you are laying a foundation for the rest of your life you're going to live in. Mm-hmm. And then, um, the second would be, um, this won't apply to everybody, but I, I've, I've seen this story play out enough to where I just, if it helps anybody, man, I would find a job. I would stay there faithfully for years. Mm-hmm. Um, we use the phrase long obedience in the same direction. Mm-hmm. I would just learn to be faithful, put your head down and work. So many young adults that I see, will jump from job to job to job. Mm-hmm. They never build a, just consistency in a place. And uh, and they're 30, and they really haven't begun to launch their career. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't die on that hill. That's just like, I would put that in my opinion. That's mm-hmm. firmly not, that's not me giving biblical advice. Um, mm-hmm. I would just like put your head down, work at a place for a few years, and uh, and begin to build that platform for your careers. So That's good. Yeah, just being faithful wherever you're planted. Keep walking. Don't give up. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Totally. I like that. Okay. Are there any resources you could put in our hands around the topic of homosexuality? Yeah. I would encourage you. There's a book called Washed and Waiting okay. by West Hill. Excellent resource. It's a guy who is celibate and um, who comes who uh, is same-sex attracted. Um, there's another one called Is God Anti-Gay by Sam Alberry. A-L-L-B-E-R-R-Y. That's another excellent resource, and uh, it's just a, a short work that has a lot of the questions there that I think will be really helpful. There's another book called Seven Critical Issues that um, is more academic, um, but it has some of the statistics that we referenced in the porch that night and just some of the dangers about why God is not, um, why this is uh, this would be a lifestyle that, that God wouldn't want for people for those that he loves. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the final one would be Speaking of Homosexuality by, again, in Joe Dallas. So um, 
yeah, those would be some extra biblical resources that I'd encourage. Love it. Love it. Okay, lastly, what is refreshing you these days? Yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny because uh, it's a girly question, but there's yeah. got to be something that's refreshing you. I love it. Uh, something refreshing me. Sleep. Sleep refreshes me. Yeah. Um, usually in the season because we're not getting a ton of it. And then um, <laughs> my, I have a, t- that two and a half year old son. Yeah. He's the greatest thing in the world, I feel like right now. He's, he's stringing sentences. He's a total, um, like just book lover. He's just really he's freakishly smart. And, um, and, awesome. uh, and I'm at least probably biased, but when other kids are out, like just crushing, you know, basketball and throwing in the hoops, he's like solving algorithms. But so he, he'll just like <laughs> say the funniest things. And, um, and so he is, uh, he's just a blast to be around. Like he just says things that you're like, you're too. How are you saying, um, you know, thank you for taking me on a walk. I really enjoy these. And oh you're my like, goodness. What in the world? So he takes after his mom for sure. Um, but I would say he is, uh, is refreshing and then, um, sleep beyond that. And, uh, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's necessary. And when you have those two under two, I cannot imagine what that is like. And them knocking on your door in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, thank you so much, David, for coming on. Uh, I appreciate you touching on this subject, even though it can be kind of hard. So thank you so much for coming on. Of course. I hope that's helpful. If there are any responses or questions, you can email me at info at the live and, uh, and I'll, I will get that to say um, it's for David. So, but thank you for having me, Emma, and and way to go covering. Um, it is a delicate issue, but it's an important one, and one that we, the church hasn't always done well. And so, hopefully, we did some of that today, covering it well, and will in the future more. So, perfect. Thank you so much. I am so glad that you tuned in today. I know this can be a sensitive topic, and so if you have more questions, please feel free to reach out to me or to David. Again, his email is info at theporch.live, and I'm waterwithlemonpodcast at gmail.com. Even though it's a tough subject, my prayer is that your eyes would be open to the Father's heart for each of you and for those that are around you. I would encourage you to share this with anyone who you think might benefit from hearing this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and stay fresh, my people.